0: Life Canton, Roger here, and the director. So glad that you're joining. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've listened to us for a while, I hope you enjoy our podcast and the other things that we put out. We should have a, another extra podcast coming soon. If you didn't get a chance a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jared did a podcast uh, message on Mark uh, because we had to skip one of the chapters for a live celebration. So if you haven't listened to that yet, be sure to go back and listen. But either way, I'm so glad that you. Uh, with us, so I want to remind you that this is always an opportunity to give to not just our church, but to the mission of God and what He's doing in our community and in our church. So you can do that via the church center app or our website. Also, if you are new to this community and have not yet been plugged in, we believe that you belong, and we want to get you plugged in. So be sure to fill out a connect card. That's the best way for us to help you do that. So we are in our second to last week of uh, the book of Mark, which we'll be going through all summer. It's been really cool. So you'll hear a, a message from a very special guest today from our director of groups in, in engagement, Franz Caesar, uh, for his first message for our church. We're so excited for him to have this opportunity um, and to preach for our community, for our church. So I hope you enjoy that. Give that a listen, and I'll be touching with you in just a second.
1: Can we just say that one more time? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome By your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. You feel that? Come on. One time for God. There's something powerful in our worship. This is what he wants from us. Don't be afraid to lift up your voices. Don't be afraid to sing. Amen. This is our space for us to come together, to be able to lift him up, to acknowledge him for who he is and what he's done. Amen. So you, you may not be the best vocalist. Amen. You, might, you might not have all the bells and whistles, but the word of God says, Make a joyful noise, right? Let there be joy in our worship. Let, us, let there be joy in our communal worship. Because it's what brings him joy as well. Is that all right? Awesome. You may be seated. Thank you. First, I'd like to greet you in the mighty name of our Lord, Savior, and King, Jesus Christ. My name is Franz. I'm one of the directors here at Life Canton. And whether you're joining us here in person or online, we are so happy that you could be a part. Join us and be a part of this moment. You know, we've been on a journey through the book of Mark, and we're at a place now where we're, we're looking at ourselves. Last week, Roger did a masterful job of talking about pressure, societal pressures. What what that looks? What does that look like? Taking on some of those social pressures day to day, to day, to day. And so, I would like for us to be able to take a look and talk about what happens when that pressure turns inside. What happens when that pressure turns into condemnation? And let's take a look at how Jesus dealt with that. So today we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 15. Now, chapter 15 is the time. Jesus is now ready It's his time to be judged, condemned, and sent to die. So let's take a look at that. What does it actually mean to be condemned? What does that look like? So condemned, it means to declare to be reprehensible or deserving, right? Wrong or evil, usually after weighing evidence without reservation. Jesus was condemned. He was told he was guilty. He was made guilty. They didn't question him. He had a mockery of a trial. He was guilty. Let's take a look first at Mark 15, starting with the first verse. In the NLT version, it says, very early in the morning the leading priest, the elders, and the teachers of religious law, the entire council met to discuss their next steps. Very early? Misery don't sleep. Why? I tell you. (laughs) They got up early to set Jesus up to get rid of him. So let's talk about it. Why? Why, Why is this precedence being set? What, were, what was the issue that the priest and the religious establishment had with Jesus? Let's unpack that a little bit. See, at the time, there was Roman occupation that was tyrannical, there were social pressures that were on the people and They were under unbearable rule. It was unjust. It was cruel. It was harsh. Change was going to happen. There was a revolution that was going to happen. It was inevitable. Spiritual and religious revolution was inevitable. And they knew that when they met Jesus. So they had to maintain the status quo. It says, the entire high council met to discuss their next step. So they bound him, they led him away, and they took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, You, the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You said it. (laughs) Jesus knew who he was. But he declared it. He spoke it. And let's talk about that. So Pilate Pilate was the governor and the representative of Rome in that particular place and time. He represented the social status quo. He He represented the rule and the law of the land. So you had the precipice for two revolutions that were taking place. Religious revolution and change, social revolution and change. And Pilate knew this. That's part of why he was there. That's what he was there to do, was to maintain the status quo at all cost. So let's continue. Verse 3 says, Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes. Condemnation. And Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they're bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing much to Pilate's surprise. When you know who you are, how much do you really have to say when you're being unjustly condemned? Verse 6 says, Now it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested, one of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. So let's pause. Let's take a look at that. Because you see what's happening here. You have this set time. You have this powder keg of a social situation where the governor or the establishment had to maintain some semblance of water. Pilate knew this. So you had Barabbas and you had Jesus. Now, the name Barabbas in Aramaic actually means Bar Abba, which is son of the father. So wait what's really happening here? The people were given a choice. They had to choose. They were given the son of the father and the son of God. The revolutionary who could give them social change. The king of glory who could give them eternal life. The one who shed blood and the one who sacrificed his blood. But did the people understand at the time? Did they really understand the choice that they had in front of them at that moment? Let's take a look because you have to ask yourself What would you do? One, if you're a pilot, are you going to be a people pleaser? Are you going to acquiesce to what the people want, forsake a status quo? Or are you going to do what's correct, what's right, what's good and just? Let's continue reading. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you the king of the Jews, Pilate asked, for he realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. So Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call king of the Jews? They shouted back to him, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded. Why? What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas. To them, he ordered Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip and turned him over to the Roman soldiers. To be crucified. But what did, why did, why, they, they, let's go back, let's take a look. Pilate asked an interesting question. He said, Why? See, because he was the governor of that time, so he knew the law. Cruci- crucifixion was a heavy penalty, that was a heavy burden. And he knew the crimes that called for crucifixion. So, what are the crimes? Of crucifixion, or that required crucifixion. Well, their rebellion, insurrection, high treason, murder, piracy, banditry, highway robbery. Which one of these were Jesus? Not one. Not one. Yet, he was condemned and called to die. Let's continue. So when they took him, the soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium. And they called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in purple robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and they placed it on his head. They saluted him, and they taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the head with a reed stick, spat on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. They condemned him. They shamed him. They berated him. Any and everything that Christ said that he was, that the people said that he was. They ridiculed it, mocked it, and made him feel ashamed. Verse 20 says, when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, put on his own clothes on him again, and they let him away to be crucified So now at this point, let's set the stage for this. This is what the praetorium would have looked like back in that time. There's a stage that's set. We would have called this in our times a modern courthouse, or we would have called this a place of judicial justice. The word praetorium actually means judgment hall. So I began to think, considering this. What would that look like now? What would a praetorium look like now? What are some of the common day places that are judgment halls in our lives? Sometimes it's a classroom. We've all been there. We remember what that's like. Sometimes it's your classmates. Sometimes it's your family. Say something. Hold a family member accountable and watch what happens. You may be condemned. What about social media? Boy, you, you want to see a timeline light up? Drop a hot take on Facebook. <laughs> Not one like and psych, but man, those comments will come. You will be Condemned. Or what about even in the four walls like this? How many times have we been judged even amongst God's people? I can imagine some of the most painful moments of condemnation happen sometimes even within this space. But then what about when your judgment hall is your mind? When the guilt that you carry for sins of the past, maybe not even sometimes it's something that you've done, but what if you did something to someone and you can't let it go? The condemnation, the shame, the guilt that eats away at you perpetually in that space of judgment is torture. So let's take a look. Like, how do, how do we deal with all of this for me i remember being in junior high school set the time and place we're talking about queens new york early 90s there was a law of the land being an inner city kid you knew sneakers were everything Mine were British Nikes. Oh, man, top shelf at Payless. (laughs) And, man, I loved my British Nikes. They were clean. You couldn't tell me nothing wearing my expensive $20 British Nikes. (laughs) And there came a day, fresh out the box, walking down the hall with my friends, to my next class. Whether it was intentional or happenstance, I don't know. But my brand new $20 BKs got stepped on and scuffed. Oh, man. (laughs) You know what time it is. Because the law of the land at that time says You got to respond. And what was required of that response was war. Three o'clock in the parking lot. You already know. Start telling your friends, call your family, set the pay-per-view. It's going down in the schoolyard. Because that was what was required. So my friends egged me on. You going to do that? You going to handle that? Do the thing. Get them. Because that was the law of the land. But for me, I had always been a child of the king. I've been always raised in God's house. So for me, what was required was peace. They wanted war. But I came in peace because that was what was required of me as a child of God. So when I said, let it be, they said, what? They ridiculed me. You don't let that pass. That is the highest form of disrespect. You can't let that go unchallenged. You're weak. You're a coward. I was condemned. But I also understood that's what was required for being in God's kingdom. And that was okay. Let's go, to, let's go back to Mark 15 Verse 25, let's talk about this at the moment. Because now we're here. It's time. Verse 25 says It was nine o'clock in the morning, and they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him, and it read, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted, Abuse! shaking their heads in mockery. Condemnation. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. So then, well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. They said, any and everything they could to tear him down. They mocked him. They shamed him. They condemned him. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. See again, You'll see this happen time and time again. You will see and find yourself in places and positions where the world standard will require war, self-defense, where the kingdom of God will require peace. It will require you to Lay your pride down. So then it says, even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. I mean, come on. You got one to the right and you got one to the left and they mocked him too? Y'all up here with me, what you doing? What you mean? Y'all just as supposedly guilty as I am. but they ridiculed him anyway. Verse 33 says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, loi, Eloi, Lema Shabbat Which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Who could withstand that level of mockery? Who could withstand that amount of shame and be innocent? Yet Jesus did that day, that moment on that cross. Why? Because that's what was required of him as the king of glory as the Son of God. And he did. And what happened when he did? Well, let's take a look. Let's go to Romans 8, verse 1. So the scripture says, so now there is no condemnations for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-given spirit has freed you from the power of sin That leads to death. God's people rejoice. You are not your shame. You are not your guilt. Your sins have been bought and purchased. Live free. Live free. Step out of that place of judgment. Don't condemn yourself. Live in the liberty that comes with the gift of the cross. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. Take off the guilt. Take off the heaviness. Let go of the past and walk in the freedom that the cross has been provided for us. So how do we do that? How do we live in a new life? How do we walk out this gift? By silencing the voice of condemnation and silencing the crowd. One of the ways you can do that is with salvation. New life is secured in salvation. When you get to know Jesus, As your Lord and Savior, you learn how to walk out the beautiful gift of the cross. Also, by way of prayer. If I could ask for our prayer team to come up as well and and join us down here. Maybe you need prayer today. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's open to you here now. You can accept the gift of the cross. Maybe you're struggling with thoughts that are bigger than you. Maybe you're riddled with guilt. Maybe you don't know how to move forward. Prayer changes things. You are powered to walk out this life of faith. One of the other ways you can do that is in community as well. We are here amongst each other to help each other walk out this gift of new life. Connect with each other. See one another. Embrace one another. Be present with one another. Reflect the spirit of God and the gift of the cross on each other. You know, sometimes that's by way of even seeking counsel. It's okay to say, I need counseling. Mental health is a real thing. And it's okay to seek safe spaces. Do whatever it takes to get you to the cross. Because we are meant to be free. We are meant to live free. We are meant to be able to go Forward and share the gift of new life with others. So, even as our band comes forward and we transition into a time of worship, if you're not able to come forward, if you're not able or ready to come forward and make that declaration of faith, even even if it's but in your seat. And you cry out and you say, Jesus, I'm here and I'm available. Transform me, make me new. Renew my heart. Take this burden from me. You can right where you are because the cross has power to meet you there too. Even if you're online, the cross can meet you there Two. Just open your heart and embrace him. Receive him. People of God, live free. Amen.
0: Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that message. It was such a powerful reminder of what Jesus faced uh, in the form of condemnation, but also what he rescues us from, how he rescues us from the condemnation that we face. So I hope that was encouraging uh, and brought you something to think about uh, and to well on this week as you grow in your faith. Uh, I want to remind you again, if there's anything that you need, any kind of support, whether it's just praying or other kinds of support and encouragement. I would encourage you to file a connect card and let us know. That's the best place to reach out and to ask for encouraging, support, whatever you need. So be sure to do that. But hope you have a blessed week. We'll see you again real soon. Bye bye.